In this year of collective grief, we mourn the people, the stability, and the life experiences we have lost. How do we cope with this grief, and how do we help each other through it? Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu. Every week, I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Today, I talk to Dr. Patty Ashley, psychotherapist and best-selling author, about going through grief to the grace on the other side. As we get closer to the end of an unprecedented year, I'm reflecting back on experiences, losses, lessons, emotions, and one that really stands out to me is grief. We recently covered grief on the show already, but I think it's worth revisiting because this is just such a deep and complex topic. It's really difficult to break it down into quick and dirty tips. But luckily, I got the chance to have an in-depth conversation with someone who is an expert on grief, both through professional and personal experiences, and who will be able to help us understand how grief works and how there is actually love and beauty in it. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Patty Ashley, a best-selling author, international speaker, and psychotherapist with over 35 years of experience. She works with individuals and families to break through ingrained barriers to personal freedom and authentic growth, and to excavate the truth of self-love, belonging, and connection. She is the author of Letters to Freedom, published in 2019, and Shame-Informed Therapy, The Art and Architecture of Reconstructing the Authentic Self, coming out in 2020. Welcome to The Savvy Psychologist, Dr. Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Jade. It's great to be here. In your work, you refer to moving from grief to grace. What does this mean? And if you don't mind, could you share uh, a part of your experience of moving from grief to grace that you've had? My fiance died of a sudden heart attack four years ago, and he had lost his wife a few years prior to him and I being in relationship. And he was working on a curriculum he called From Fear to Love to Grace. And so I'm continuing the legacy of that in my work and looking at, you know, what does that actually mean, grace? And what he he was saying, and I agree, is that, you know, when you love somebody so deeply and you lose them, that it cracks like it's a Sufi uh, prayer that says, break my heart open to a higher love. So it kind of cracks us open. And there's a state of grace, which is the state of knowing that it's bigger than myself. And yet I have to accept what is. I became a therapist is because I lost my father to a sudden heart attack when I was 11. And then my partner, Lawrence Freedom, died the same way my father died of a sudden heart attack on the living room floor. So that's why I wrote my memoir, Letters to Freedom, because I, I it was so profound for me to think that my whole life, I've been studying grief and helping people get through grief and how it's different as an adult from a child. And then having this experience as an adult, I really wanted to allow myself to really experience what I was feeling. So I developed my work through the years to give people a place to talk about grief. And then I had the experience of losing my partner as an adult. So often we hear about stages of grief. Are there stages to grief and what are they and how do people move through them? 
There are stages, but they're not linear, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Elizabeth Kubler-Ross defined five stages that she saw in her work with people who are grieving, and they include bargaining, denial, anger, depression, and acceptance. And so we humans like our linear ABCs and one, two, threes. So I always want people to know that it's not necessarily that simple because you can move in and out of those stages of grief for however long it takes, and it takes however long it takes. Everybody's different. So one of these stages that you mentioned is anger. Is it okay to feel angry during grief? People don't think that that it's okay to be angry at people for dying. But it's it's an important emotion because anger actually energizes us and helps us move through things. So... All feelings are okay, but all behavior isn't. So anger itself, that doesn't mean you have to take it out on yourself or other people and hurt yourself or anyone. It simply means you acknowledge that you're angry, maybe writing about it, writing a letter, screaming in the shower, you know, lots of ways to express anger that's safe and doesn't hurt anyone. That is such an important distinction. And so instead of shutting down our emotions like anger or other types of emotions, what can we do instead? It doesn't last forever, and it actually is better to feel everything you're feeling when you're in it and have supportive people and lots of chicken soup and warm blankets and, you know, cozy songs and things that you enjoy doing. Um, Jigsaw puzzles was something I found. (laughs) It was really helpful. You don't want to try and get out of it. You want to hold yourself through it, and that's going to help you get to the other side. So when you talk about getting to the other side, does that mean getting over a loss? Do people ever get over a loss? So, you know, we get to the other side. I don't think we ever really um, get over a loss, especially if it's a significant other or something, you know, or tragic loss. There's, There's always something in our heart, but it's not as heavy and it doesn't weigh us down and we are able to hold it. I call it grace. You know, we move into a state of grace knowing that. That's part of life is loss. And, you know, even though we'll always miss our loved ones, it doesn't have as much of the deep emotional pain when we get to the acceptance part. Now, if we have a loved one going through their own grief, what should we say and what shouldn't we say or do to support them? Don't make suggestions of what they can do to feel better. Listen, have a lot of empathy, and just reflect back what they're saying. And you know, the one thing that I learned that I really wanted and needed was I wanted to tell the story. I wanted to talk about Lawrence. And people get really uncomfortable about that. You know, even sometimes people say, Well, I don't want to make I don't want to make you uncomfortable or I don't want to remind you. Well, the thing about it is I'm already uncomfortable and I'm not gonna forget. So I need to do that because, it, one, for several reasons, I think that's the most important thing. And I think it's the, most, the hardest thing, too, is to listen to the stories because grief, you have to tell the story at least 100 times. And so to have an enlightened witness to hear our stories is the most important thing. But that, too, feels counterintuitive for people. So if I'm with you in your grief and you're telling me stories, I'm going to feel it as if it's my own grief and I'm not going to feel comfortable. So I'm going to go to my bag of tricks and say, well, what? Maybe you could try rescue remedy or maybe you could do this or, oh, let's go for a walk, you know. So we have to also be able to tolerate our own, our own discomfort when we are listening. It's such a gift 
I had very few people who could do that. And I'm probably not that good at doing it either because our instinct is, well, I want to try and fix it for this person because it feels so bad. That is so fascinating. And that really resonates with me. I think you've hit a really important chord here. And also you alluded to your experience with grief as a child. How do we help children with grief? How do we explain death and loss to them? The most important thing with kids is um, to avoid euphemisms. You know, a lot of times we try and do that and say, oh, you know, like with my father, oh, he's in heaven. Between the ages of zero and seven, we know that kids don't think like adults. And so that's why they believe in the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and all that. It's really a magical time. And they're also in, um, they don't understand the permanence of death, right? So it's a whole different world, seven and under especially. So if you say God in heaven, you know, they're most likely going to have a similar experience that I did was, why can't I go there? And the only reason, honestly, I had a roommate in college who had a similar experience and she tried to suicide on several occasions. And the reason I didn't was because I was raised Catholic and I was told I'd go to hell. So I knew I wouldn't see my dad if I killed myself, but that was the longing was I wanted to be with my dad. And if he's in heaven, why can't I be there? Don't be afraid to cry with them, you know, be with them. And it's all about relationship, right? It's all about relationship. We all are wired for that connection and that's what kids need. And they also need to know that they're safe. You're keeping them safe. And particularly if it's one parent, you want to know that the other parent's not going anywhere. And of course, there's no guarantees in life. But for the most part, you know, we want to assure them that they're safe and they're loved and they're cared for. That is really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And to zoom out a little bit more, right now there is a sense of collective grief in the world. What are your thoughts on this experience that we're maybe all going through right now? We are definitely in collective grief. The song that came to mind this week was It's the End of the World as We Know It. You know, I think it's an REM song. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. Because everything that we're familiar with is changed in some way. And it's a collective experience. Everyone's going through it. It's not just like the United States. The world is experiencing the coronavirus, which then has led us to losing jobs, losing time with our friends, losing social outlets that we're familiar that we enjoy our gym outdoor concerts is my favorite thing in the summer here in, in Colorado and you know lots of things that we're familiar with are gone we don't and we don't know how long and that's the uncertainty too you know it's 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 being with what is for now and knowing that we are grieving and then you know, the unfortunate amount of people who've actually died from the virus and then the people and, and the, gosh, it really breaks my heart when I think about um, you know, people who've died alone in hospitals. Yes, everything you've mentioned is absolutely part of this collective experience. And it's so difficult for people. And, you know, out of this, is there any chance that any grace can come out of this collective grief? I hope if nothing else comes out of this is there's going to be more compassion and empathy. And that's the other thing I've noticed about grief is, you know, if we lose someone we really love it, we ask the bigger questions like, why am I here? Why did I get to stay? You know, what's my purpose in life? And also studies of resiliency have shown people who are able to give back are the most resilient. And so I'm hoping that everything that's going on now will lead to more compassion and empathy because that's really what we need right now in the world. We don't need more angry, mad people, you know, trying to 
compete and win and be bigger and better. We need compassion and empathy. That is definitely some optimism that I needed to hear. Thank you so much for that and for all of your wisdom. I really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Today's topic was a tough one, but I hope that this can be helpful for you. As you sit with your own grief, allow yourself to feel those emotions, allow yourself to tell the stories of your grief, and hopefully we can all together meet Grace on the other side. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm especially interested to hear what you would like to hear in the new year from Savvy Psychologist as I start to plan episodes for 2021. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at QDT Savvy Psych and also at Jade Wu PhD. You can keep in touch with us through the Savvy Psychologist newsletter and get psychology tips directly delivered to your inbox. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you again for joining me, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind.